Hey everyone, this is a serialized story, so if you haven't listened from the beginning, go back to episode one and start from there. Previously on Blind Landing. You don't just dream of going to the Olympics, you dream of going to the Olympics and meddling. The Summer Olympics get underway. Televised to 3.7 billion people. First event, vaults. I barely even touched my fingertips. She had never not made a vault. I basically landed on my back. No part of that was normal. You fall in Olympic games, like, game over. What do you say to an athlete that dreams are gone in a blink of an eye? Elise Ray might have been the first gymnast to fall on vault during the 2000 Olympic all-around final, but she was definitely not the last. Eight people fell, which was inexplicable and unprecedented. Something was very wrong. And it would take one of the youngest and least experienced gymnasts in the competition to figure out what it was. I'm Ari Saperstein, and this is Blind Landing, the untold story of one of the biggest mistakes in Olympic history. Episode 2. We never really discussed Sydney Olympics and and what happened. I don't know whether it's still hard for people to live through. I have never heard anybody else's narrative. It's not a topic we've ever discussed anywhere in the gymnastics world. Not with any of my international friends, not with my Australian teammates, um, not, not at all. This is former elite gymnast Alana Slater. And this is really her first time talking this in-depth about her Olympic experience. And just like with Elise in our first episode, Alana's story, it actually starts before the 2000 Games. Obviously, there was a huge build-up to a home game. So for Sydney, there was a lot of media hype. I guess you have to go back to a year beforehand at the 99 Worlds when we suddenly came fifth. Fifth place at the 99 World Championships was way ahead of their 11th place finish at the previous Worlds. And this was a huge deal because, well, this is Australia we're talking about. Definitely not what was thought of as one of the big gymnastics powerhouse countries. But maybe, if they could keep that upward trajectory going at Sydney, they could become one. You know, there was just this huge expectation that we'd come onto the scene as a new country and have just really put our foot out there, and there was a just a big amount of pressure going into the Sydney Olympics. With the Olympics on the horizon in their own backyard, the Australians tried to set themselves up for success. That meant... Lots of verification sessions, mock competitions. We had two sets of trials as well before that. But along with the rigorous training and the pressure from the media came at least one home turf advantage. We went down a few weeks before for a training session in the Olympic main arena, just so we could get an idea of the venue and what it felt like. The main arena, that's the Sydney Superdome. It's the largest indoor sports arena in Australia, and it was actually built for the Olympics. It fit 15,000 people. That's 15,000 unknown variables, 15,000 potential distractions, So when the Australians went down to the Superdome to train before the Games, they tried to get a feel of what competing there would be like by simulating what it would sound like. 
going into the competition. We were pretty young and inexperienced as a team, so we had all these distraction tapes that had been prepared for us so that we wouldn't be so distracted. Anything that could potentially distract us. Weird sounds, mobile phone sounds, animal sounds. We were prepared for an entire zoo to go through. But when the Olympics began, and Alana walked into the Superdome for the women's gymnastics all-around final, the only sound she heard was cheering for her. It was coming from Aussies in the stands who were overjoyed to see one of their own in the biggest gymnastics competition in the world. I mean, I look back now and I think how incredible the experience was, the home games, 15,000 people screaming for you. I mean, it can't get better than that. With her bright red ponytail and wearing a deep green velvet leotard, it was pretty easy for the home crowd to keep track of Alana throughout the competition and applaud her at every turn. That feeling of support rallied her through a rough start to the all-around. So in the all-around finals, I started on, on beam and unfortunately I had a fall on my first event. But during her next event, floor exercise, Alana stuck every skill and the crowd, they went wild. So I competed, competed floor, and the, the crowd had really lifted me up by that point. Alana was halfway through the all-around competition, and next up was the vault. Vault actually, at that time, was my weakest event. In her training leading up to the games, Alana was hyper-focused on this event. I was doing massive numbers on vault. I was doing about 40 volts a day. She was focused on getting in as many repetitions as possible. Feet on the springboard, hands on the vault, stick the landing. Day in, day out in training. And now? Now is the moment to see if all that prep work would pay off. I went to vault, and I think I was the first athlete for that rotation to compete. Would it be like balance beam, where she fell, or like floor exercise, where she nailed her routine? That... That should have been the question going through Alana's mind. But it wasn't. Because standing in that 15,000-seat arena with 15,000 unknown variables, 15,000 potential distractions in the midst of the Olympics, there was just one thing on her mind. So I'm standing there at the end of the vault runway, and like I said, I've spent countless hours on vault. And I just remember thinking to myself... That vault looks low. That really looks like a low vault. It was Alana's turn to warm up. She sprinted down the runway, feet on the springboard, hands on the vault. When I did that, I felt like I was going downhill. So when I felt like I went downwards, I had never felt that in my entire life going onto onto a vaulting horse. And there was no way I was getting off the mat until they checked it. I was like, I'm not getting off this landing mat until somebody measures this vault. And I remember my coach, uh, Nikolai, going, uh, Alana, get off the mat. And I was like, no, look at the vault. It's too low. I'm walking up to the vault and I'm like measuring it to, to me. And it was almost my waist height on the landing mats. And I think I said to my coach, Nikolai, no, Nikolai, look at the horse. I have not grown this much in a few days. 
I was thinking there's just no way it's safe for, for myself, but also it's not right for everybody else. Alana's coach brings the complaint to the officials. And as they talk, Alana goes back down the runway to where the other gymnasts are. And the rest of the pack, they're confused. Because the vault warm-up is paused, and they have no idea why. I remember just standing there talking to the girls at the other end, as best as I could in broken English, of course. The vault's the wrong height. It's too low. Like, it's, it's really low. Look at it. Does it not look the wrong height to you? Thinking, maybe I've just gone crazy. Maybe... Maybe it's not the wrong height. Surely I've just gone a little bit crazy in the, the midst of this, the Olympics and the great pressure that it is. All I could think was, I really hope I'm right. And then all of a sudden... There's a group of officials all staring at the vault. Out come the tape measures and... The, the vault is lifted. Alana wasn't crazy. At the Olympics in Sydney, Australia the, uh, today, vault problem. several competitors failed to execute a vault. Several scary falls. Gymnast sash flopped and crashed. I was right. After the horse's height was set too low. The vault? The vault set too low. It was low. The apparatus was two inches lower than it should have been. all in shock, if I'm perfectly honest. Total shock that it happened. The gymnasts couldn't believe it. Their coaches couldn't believe it. The judges couldn't believe it. They don't think there'd ever been any competition where the apparatus had been set up incorrectly. You know, who goes to the Olympic Games and thinks the equipment's going to be set up incorrectly? The vault was two inches too low. Two inches That's the size of a chapstick, the size of a golf tee, smaller than the width of an iPhone. How much of an impact could two inches really have? Two inches lower, that doesn't seem like a lot until you actually do it. This is Dr. Bill Sands, a leading expert on sports science and gymnastics. And he says that Alana's concerns about safety were spot on. Uh, If you think about the swing of a baseball bat, You know, if you move the swing two inches, then a line drive or a home run turns into a pop-up. If the horse is in the wrong place, even by a couple inches, that can utterly destroy the fragile nature of the impact with the horse and subsequent push. Feet on the springboard, plus hands trying to push off a vault that isn't at the right height, could end in disaster. Pushing off your hands has to be exquisitely well-timed in order to benefit from any push that you might get from the horse. And so if you make mistakes there, you're pretty well doomed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Olympic officials readjusted the vault and tried to figure out what to do next. 
And while this was happening, the scope of the problem was just starting to set in. There were a lot of really upset people. You know, half, half the girls had competed on the vault at the wrong height. I have never in my career, number one, thought of it, and number two, knew that it could be, could be a thing. Nonetheless, at the most important competition of your life. That's American gymnast Elise Ray, who had the very scary fall on vault earlier in the competition. And of course, when Elise fell, she had no idea it was the wrong height. I mean, number one, you're at the Olympic Games, you know what I mean? But number two, at, at any competition, you just assume that things are set properly, everything's checked. Uh, as a you know, 16-year-old gymnast, you, you trusted that everything was set up. We certainly have never had anything like that happen in, in Australia at any of our competitions before. That's because it doesn't happen. Not at local competitions, not at the collegiate level, not at international competitions, and definitely not at the Olympics. No, I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't even know that it could happen. So how exactly did it happen? Actually, it's pretty simple. See, the vault table is like a stationary bike, with different notches to move it up and down. There's one standard height for men and one standard height for women. And the men and women's competitions throughout the Olympics alternate on opposite days. They share the same equipment, and the vault height gets changed every day. So, before the women's all-around competition, someone really messed up and readjusted it incorrectly, putting the vault one notch, or two inches, too low. Now, I want to give a non-spoiler spoiler here. This is not a Tanya Harding situation. No one I talked to, no one has ever floated the idea of foul play or sabotage. In part because 18 gymnasts from such a wide array of countries competed on the vault at the wrong height. No one had anything to gain. All evidence points to it being a screw-up, a mistake. And it might sound like a perfectly innocent mistake. But see, one of the reasons it's never happened before is because there are so many checks and balances along the way. Countless people, judges, technicians, officials, that are supposed to double-check, quadruple-check, all the equipment for this exact reason. And here, in the midst of the Olympic Games, every check and balance failed. Um, but unfortunately, it did have a huge impact on so many athletes. There were so many scary falls on vault. A gymnast from Spain nearly stumbled into the vault, head first after landing, and a Brazilian gymnast landed crouched over, actually rebounding onto her head. And of course, Elise Ray was just a few inches shy of landing on her head and neck. Heart-stopping. In one word, heart-stopping. You know, that's a lot of scary, scary things that happen to a lot of girls, and... You know, Anna Reader, I believe, got injured. A British gymnast, Anna Reader, hurt her ankle on her landing. And it was bad enough that she had to be carried off the mat and pulled out from the rest of the competition. Anna Reader was, I guess, lucky from some perspective that it was only an injury that put her out of the sport and not changed her life significantly, because that's the level of injury that could have happened with a mistake like that with a vaulting table. 
So how much of a difference can two inches make? Enough that having just a career-ending injury, and not a fatal one, can be considered, quote, lucky. Because gymnastics is a dangerous sport, and something worse could have happened. The vault, set at the wrong height during the women's all-around final in Sydney, is one of the biggest and most consequential mistakes in Olympic history. But, of course, that's not where this story ends. Because eight gymnasts had fallen after competing on vault at the wrong height. Athletes that should have been medal contenders were sitting at the bottom of the rankings. How could this possibly be considered a fair competition? The officials needed to figure out what to do, and fast. And their solution? If the, if the vault setting was unheard of, this was whatever unheard of is times a million. On the next episode of Blind Landing. Once the damage is done, you can't go back. They did not stop the competition. Nobody's the winner of that event. That's next time on Blind Landing. Blind Landing is reported by me, Ari Saperstein, and produced by me, Christian Green, Micah Kielbon, and Jessica Taylor-Price. Special thanks to Ellen Weiss and Mia Zuckercandle. And thanks to our interviewees for sharing their stories. Before you go, one more thing. So, ratings and reviews are important for every podcast, but especially for shows like this. Blind Landing is independently produced and distributed by a really small team. All of us with full-time jobs working on the podcast in our free time, on nights and weekends. I know, literally every podcast asks for this, but if you've enjoyed the story so far, and if you'd like to support indie storytelling, the best thing you could do to help us out is to rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. All you do is hit the five-star button on the show's main page, and maybe even leave a review if you've got a minute. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks.